When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Blog Talk Radio.
Yo, welcome, welcome everybody to a brand new show called Brown Sugar and Spice, hosted by yours truly and a new co-host to the station. We have Dr. Faye in the building. Dr. Faye, what's happening? Hey, everybody. What's up? So, so Dr. Faye, can you tell the people what they can expect from this show? So just want to give everybody um, some background information about the show. The show is called Brown Sugar and Spice. It's uh, mainly for us by us. I wanted to give professional African-Americans a platform to discuss just what we go through getting to where we are in life, you know, from successes to failures to trials and tribulations to let you know whatever you're going through to reach your goals, more than likely you're not alone. And in future shows, we're going to be interviewing people who have been very successful the road success has not always been easy, but I just want to show people that it's not impossible. Also, just touching on some very touchy topics, such as HIV, mental health, where we are in politics. You know, we'll be interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, lawyers, doctors. So I just want everybody to hopefully have a good time and be inspired by the show. Word up. I couldn't put it better myself. So, um, yeah, I, I think this was a much-needed show for the network. I think we needed to spread the uh, spotlight on a lot of what's going on in our community, not just negative content, which I'm sure we're accustomed to seeing by, like, watching Facebook and different uh, things of that nature. So we definitely going to get it popping with this show tonight. Uh, can't wait to interview our special guest, Nate Hughes, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Detroit Lions. We're going to talk to him. Excuse me. Lose my voice. We're talking to him tonight basically about life after the NFL, and we're going to ask the questions that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would like to ask in a position, like as far as, you know, coming from a successful, you know, one successful career and transitioning into something else. So we're definitely going to get that going on. Um we're gonna be waiting for his phone call. So when he call, phone calls, so when his when he calls up, we're gonna put him online. We're gonna conduct the interview. Uh, so, Doctor Fay, uh, I know you kind of alluded to it earlier, but I mean, what are the type of guests that you're expecting to have on this network? As far as I know, you mentioned some 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 of the content, but what what type of motivation can we expect from some of the guests that you have coming on? Um, it just depends on where you are, you know, if, you know, for example, if you're a single mother and you were questioning pursuing your dreams, you have people who can show you how it's done, um, lead by example, live as we climb, uh, people who make some difficult decisions in life and want to be able to share those experiences with you to uplift you as you're going along your journey. So this mainly, my main focus is to inspire people and inspire our people to say the sky is the limit, and if that's what you want to do, then go for it. Right. Okay. Yeah, I I really hope that we can uh, get that message out there to a lot of people because a lot of people, I think what's wrong with our generation especially, like we kind of are just to the point where we're okay with mediocrity Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to, you know, go – and take that risk to go above and beyond, you know what I'm saying, just giving themselves a shot 
at a little minute piece of success. So, um, you guys want to call up, get in on the conversation. That phone number is. Six four six two zero zero three four six two. Once again, that number is six four six two zero zero three four six two. Make sure you press that one button when you call up. Uh, and Mr. Nate, he said he's ready to go. All right, well let's put him on. All right. Okay. Mr. Hughes. Yes. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. So I want you to um, just give the uh, listeners um, a brief interview um, about yourself, where you're from, you know, where you went to school, um, how did you get to the NFL, and what you're doing currently right now with your life. Okay. Um, I'm originally from a small town called Macon, Mississippi. It's um, about... on the Mississippi-Alabama line, um, south of Columbus, Mississippi, but north of Meridian, Mississippi. I went to college at Alcorn State University. Um, after Alcorn, I um, was a tryout player for the Cleveland Browns and ended up signing a contract after um, rookie minicamp, and that kind of transpired into into the whole NFL, whole NFL life. And that's pretty much it okay. on the surface. So let me ask you this. So what did you major in in college? In college, I majored in nursing. Um, I got my bachelor's in, in um, nursing from Alcorn State University. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, did you pursue anything after that? Um, not not immediately. Um, the, the plan was to always go to medical school, but um, – Football kind of popped up. It was one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities that I felt like I had to take advantage of. Uh, a lot of people dream of playing in the NFL. Um, I never thought it would happen for me, but when the opportunity presented itself, I felt like it was – I had to take advantage of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, now, I had a question for you as well. Um, now, when, when you got that, that call – from a, that specific team from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, were, I, I guess my, my first question would be, I know you were pursuing your medical career. On a, on a scale from 1 to 10, how enthused were you to play for the NFL? Not just seeing it as an opportunity, but like you really wanted to play. To, to be perfectly honest, um, I, I, was, I, was, I was really happy about the opportunity. But um, I don't think that excitement compared to my to my acceptance letter into medical school. I think that was probably one of the most most exciting days in my life. Um, the NFL call was was awesome, um, but like I said, it wasn't it wasn't the big dream of mine growing up. It wasn't like I saw myself playing in the NFL. My dream growing up was was to be a doctor. I actually have a journal where I wrote. Um, I think I was in the third grade. Where I wrote. Um, I wanted to be a doctor, so that was my ultimate goal. The NFL just happened, so it was it was one of those things where I I, I thought about the NFL as a way to to pay my way through through medical school, basically, so I can get through and not have a lot of debt hanging over my head once I finish. Well, that's admirable. So let me let me ask you this before we dive off into. Um, 
you know, your medical school experience. So I feel like people have this notion that every single NFL player is just super rich, balling out of control, and I know there's, like, you know, levels to how much everyone makes on the team. So I want you to, like, explain to the listeners exactly how that works and, you know, how much money you guys actually truly bring home. Okay. Um, like you said, everybody is not the, the multimillionaire that, that I guess that media shows. Um, every NFL team has, has a salary cap. I know a lot of the, the um, football fans or sports fans know about these things called salary caps. It's the amount of money that a team can spend to um, basically um, pay for everybody within the team. So if if you got a guy that's making a $75 million contract, then that $75 million counts toward the salary cap. That means other people on the team has to make less. Now, however, there is um, league minimums. So I know when I came into the NFL, the league minimum was, was 295000 if you made the team. I know a lot of us think that's a lot of money, but um, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money that a lot of people see at one time in their life, especially over one year, especially at the age of 22, 23 years old. But um, after you, you put it in the taxes, and then when you're young, you're having fun, you're spending money, and once you – you go through all of that, you understand that, that it's really not not that much money. And the best thing you can do with that money is to put it aside for a nest egg or set yourself up with some type of investment, be it um, educational investment or if it's more so something to get you more financial investment on the back end. Mm. Yeah. Now, now, let me ask you this. Uh, then, because uh, I'm definitely going to probably dive into the little NFL, into the NFL have another uh, conversation. If, when you're on, like, I don't know who's the, the biggest player. I know when you were in Jacksonville, you probably you played with like David Gerard and right. trying to think. I believe Maurice Jones, Drew, and so yeah. those guys. I know you were talking about the salary cap and how big that is. Does that affect you as a player seeing these guys with these big contracts and you yourself? I mean, I know you wasn't in love with the NFL, but at the same time, it was a great opportunity for you. Does that make you want to be better, or you just kind of do you see like the ups and downs of being like a star, uh, a huge star like that, and the money that they might use to splurge or do other things that's not really savvy as a you know a person that thinks about finances. Right. Well, I feel I feel like. Um... I feel like with, with anybody, anybody. I feel like anybody that's, that's alive, they they have a competitive a competitive spirit or competitive nature in themselves. So, um, seeing other people in better off situations than you are, it, it kind of puts something in you to make you wanna better yourself. Um, and and the players, to, to be perfectly honest, I think every player that that got a big contract deserves that big contract. The amount of time they put in, the amount of energy they put in, a lot of people dedicate their lives to 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 football. So when they when they put that much time, that much energy, that much effort to everything they they do, eat, breathe, and sleep in, 
football that when they do land that big contract, I feel like they are definitely deserving of it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of us, we put a lot of time into it also, but never received that big contract. Um, now, that, that doesn't mean that, that we should not be as competitive as we were in the in the past, but we should keep using the milestones that we want to reach as fuel to our competitiveness. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's a perfect segue to like my next question. So for the athlete who doesn't have that big contract, like, what does it feel like? And how is the process when, you know, you find out that, hey, you've been cut from a team? So, like, do you or do you have to pay all of that money back, or is it paid to you in installments? And, like, what does that feel like when somebody tells you, hey, we don't think that you are good enough to be here for this position? That That is, that is one of the worst feelings in the world when someone thinks they can really look you in your face and tell you that you're not good enough when you know inside what you have in you, how much energy and effort you've put in something. And the worst feeling is when you know that you're better than someone else that they decide to keep instead of you. Now, um, um, the the whole getting cut thing, it, it sucks for the people who get cut. I've been a victim of getting cut numerous times. It's one of those things that, that just sucks, but it's, it's part of the business. Um, I didn't really understand the business side of football until I want to say my second or third year um, when I started understanding all of the moving pieces, all of the moving parts. And I, I really didn't get in my feelings anymore um, after that time if, if I was told that I wasn't good enough. Because the way I look at it is um, when you – when you I, a, a, a bit, um, Tory Holt always explained it to me as, when you play, every every time you touch the field, you're not just playing for yourself and your team. You're playing for all of the other teams in the NFL. So your resume within the NFL is your film, is what you put on game tape. So if you do well and one team thinks you're not good enough, then another team might be like, look, that's good enough for us. We're going to give him a chance. And I think I think a lot of that goes on into life also because um, – we know how resumes are when it comes to to life. It's the same situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now I had a follow-up question to uh, what you were just talking about as far as playing in NFL. Have you ever seen, like, like being on a team such as the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I know Jacksonville has been through a, a rough, I guess, I almost – it's been a while since they had a winning record. So being on a team like that and then seeing the players that come and you being a competitor, is there players on there you just didn't understand why they were getting playing time or why they didn't why they were starting when you had to when you possibly were definitely better than those players? Did you ever have any moments where you kinda had a, a outburst on why you're not playing or anything of that nature? And, and and I don't want to limit this just to the NFL, but I think we see that on all levels of sports. Um, for instance, in high school, mm-hmm. um, well, I'm going to use college as a prime example. I've gotten to college, and it's times I've seen kids on the college field, and in my mind, I may wonder, and there's no knock on the kid, a, a, a great person, but I wonder, like, how did this kid get a scholarship? 
It's just certain situations like that because it's certain times you don't see because you get to be around them a lot. You get to see what they really made of inside. You know who will go the extra mile, who will dig deeper, who will pretty much lay their life down to get a win. Mm-hmm. And, and a com- yeah. competitiveness is nothing you really could, can teach or coach is something that has to be instilled in you or, or you're born with. So let, let me ask you this thing. So you went to a, a small school in Mississippi, relatively speaking, um, and, you know, Alcorn State has, has produced some great, outstanding football players. I mean, produced the late, great Steve Air McNair. But let's be honest. Everyone knows he had a superb marketing machine behind him. But for, you know, athletes who go to HBCUs who don't have that opportunity, do you think you would have had a more lucrative contract or would have been drafted um, in the NFL had you gone to a Mississippi State or an Alabama or an LSU or other uh, predominantly white schools who are essentially football powerhouses? Like, how do you feel like going to an HBCU was an advantage and how was that a disadvantage to you? Um, I feel I feel like both um, a large school and a small school both have advantages and both have disadvantages. Um, as far as like you said, um, the, the, the marketing aspect, getting your name out there, is definitely benefits. It's it's more heavily benefited to be at a big school than it is to be a smaller school if you're trying to get your name out there. But I feel like um, going to Alcorn, I, I end up getting a lot more experience on the football field because I was able to start all four years as opposed to going to a big school where maybe I've been limited to start only one year or start two years. I feel like I got to see a lot more being thrown into the fires of true freshmen, and I think that helped me make it as an undrafted guy for the amount of time I did. Now, if I were to not gotten all that experience and had to go the undrafted route, I'm not sure how it would have worked out. But if I would have went to a bigger school, then obviously my chances of being drafted may have been a little bit higher if I put up the same type numbers I put up while I was at Alcorn. Okay, okay. But you would but encourage it, like I said, people to... Go ahead. I, I encourage people to, to wherever they go to school, I encourage people to make sure that school that they go to is a school that's catered to their educational needs, what they really want to do in the end, because um, 1% of collegiate football players play in the NFL. 1%. Oh, wow. Is it really that low? I actually think it might, the correct number might be 1.6, but 1%, less than 2%. Think about it. Most teams, most college teams are going to have on average 200 people on a team. So if you think about it, it's two people, on average, two people from each team will get a shot. So I, I, wow. I tell people to, to err more on on um, making sure this school is providing you with the, the degree and the atmosphere and environment that you need to put yourself where you need to be in the end because we, we can't play football forever. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a hard sport. It's a full contact sport. So let me, let me ask you this. So 
it is a sport, it is a business. Even though you are a student athlete, you are making millions of dollars for um, these schools. Two part question. Um, one, do you think student athletes should pay for their services? And two, like, because you guys are practicing so much, dedicating so much time, do coaches or your mentors make it aware to you all that, hey, most of you won't ever go to the NFL, and you do need a plan B. Like, you need a, you need a backup plan. Because once your scholarship is done, for many of you, your athletic career ends. And, and that's true. I feel and like I have um, a follow-up question to that. I feel like, um, like I said, it, it, it all goes back to going to a place that to your needs as a student athlete. Um, I knew I went to Alcorn. My head coach um, was Coach Dr. Johnny Thomas. So he had a Ph.D., so he preached. Um, I know when I was at Alcorn, we had um, one of the highest, I think they call it like APR, basically the graduation rate of athletes. We had one of the higher rates because he made sure that we did what we had to do on the field, I mean um, off of the field before he let us on the field. Well, at least he did that for you. I just oh, yeah. like a lot of us get – get left behind, and we're just not prepared to successfully compete with the rest of the world once we're off the gridiron or whatever sport we choose to participate in. Right, and and, and it's a lot of right. people lose sight of a student-athlete. It, it, is, it is rigorous to be able to play sports and do school. It's, it, it's almost barely enough time. The NCAA has put a lot of regulations in place, a lot of rules so that you can't spend so much time on the football field or so much time in the meeting rooms or so much time in the weight room. But but in the grand scheme of things, if you're in, in some type of rigorous program, whatever your major may be, and you are in class from 8 o'clock to 2 p.m., then you have practice from 3.30 to six, then you go eat, then you come back, have meetings from seven to nine. When you realize it, you get home, you get into your room at ten o'clock at night, and you gotta study and put together all the things that try to make sense to you in the classroom. Also, your competitive nature on the football field, you're trying to figure out a way to get an edge on your opponent for that upcoming game. So when you think about it, you get into your room tired, fatigued. At 10 o'clock, you got to be back up at 7 again because you got an 8 o'clock class. So you, when, you, when you really break down the schedule, 10 o'clock to start studying, if you get two hours of studying, then you can get seven hours of sleep, which I think six, six yeah. to eight is the recommended amount of time of sleep. But we, we both know that two hours of studying is really not yeah. ample amount of time for studying if you're trying to um, – have your grades be on the next level. Absolutely. So let me let me ask you this to um, transition over into like where you are now, your current study. So, how do you think the NFL or just being a student athlete has prepared you for the rigors of med school? I, I think I think it prepared me a lot. The whole I think more so the student athlete side um, at Alcorn prepared me more so than the NFL. Now that um, 
the student athlete side prepared me more because nursing school was pretty rigorous. And then coupled that with football, I had a lot to learn, a lot to do, and I wanted to be good at all of it. So there's only so much you can put on your plate, but you learn how to fit and maximize everything you put on your plate. Now, on the NFL side, I think the NFL prepared me more so for the fine details that are involved with the medical school because in the NFL, the difference in winning and losing can be marginal. Also, the difference in making a team, basically having a job, or not making a team, being cut, going home, is is fractional, fractional too. What do you mean by fine details? Like, what what is listeners like? People who aren't in med school, like, what do you what are you trying to convey when you say fine details? So, um, fine details. Um, in medical school, I hope I'm not using like medical school jargon with this one, but um, you might be in gross anatomy, you might be paying attention to a specific muscle in uh, on the anterior compartment of the leg. And you, mean you the might front know leg? the front of the leg, leg, yeah. Right, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you could be paying attention to a specific muscle on the front of the leg, but this one specific muscle may differ from all of the other muscles in the front of the leg, be it by what nerve is innervating it or what blood supply is coming to it, and not just being able to just put everything in one big box. Front of the leg is done by all of this. Back of the leg is done by all of this. But to know the fine details, the nuances of what's different, because that's usually what's tested. And it's the same way in sports. Mm. Um like um, football jargon, um, if you have a a route to run at a certain depth, a certain amount of yards, and in your playbook it tells you to get 12 yards and then make a cut, but you go 11 yards, then it can throw the timing off with the quarterback. Or if you go 13 yards, it can throw the timing off with the quarterback. That difference between one yard from where you're supposed to go could be the difference in an interception and the difference in a sack or the difference in a touchdown. So just paying attention to the fine details is what I think the NFL helped prepare me with. So for, you know, young black male athletes who are considering pursuing medicine, how would you direct them into getting into medical school? Because I feel like a lot of us don't know. Like we just have, hey, I'm going to be a professional athlete on the brain. But you obviously had the foresight to – you know, playing your future. So what advice would you give young African-American males who are aspiring to be doctors, who want to, who want to impact their communities, who want to change the world? The, the biggest advice I could give to them is be competitive across the board. Uh, attack attack the, the schoolwork with the same tenacity they attack whatever sport it is they play. Um, be a competitor in all facets of life. And if you if you attack schoolwork like like you attack sports, your grades will be high. And, and and we know that one of the things medical school admission committees look at as far as applicants getting into school are the metrics, are your grades. So it, it, it's it's really hard to get in medical school if you have subpar grades because your excuse cannot be I was playing football or I was playing basketball, I was playing baseball or running track. 
because other people have done that and managed to be competitive in both the sport and school. So my advice Absolutely. would be just to make sure they 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 compete in everything to the best they can, and mm-hmm. and, and let everything fall where where it may. Let me ask you. This. Okay. Go ahead, DB. No, my my follow up question to that is okay. What do you say to the to, to the? I, I'm gonna use black man as an example. What do you say to the black man in our community that? Say school ain't for me. This school, I can't get school. But I'm I'm a superior athlete. I can run with the best of them. I got the best hands in the world. I can do I can do whatever athletically anybody can do, and probably better. My, what do you say to those that just can't wrap their mind around the concept of school? My answer to them would be: the NFL is a multi-billion-dollar industry. No one is going to pay a dummy to run up and down the field. If they're going to invest money in you, I don't even know if y'all know, but it's a, it's a test that 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 people who want to go to the NFL test is called the Wonderlick test. Yeah, it's basically a way of testing yeah. athletes' IQ. They they it's a multi-billion-dollar industry, so they put everything under a microscope. Now, some guys can get through, but chances are if you want to be a high-dollar athlete, first of all, football, you have to go to college anyway, period. You can't get drafted. They just made a change in, in the NBA that you, you have to do it. Exactly. I think baseball is the only sport right now where you can go straight out of high school, maybe baseball and hockey, if I'm not mistaken, and some of the other sports like tennis and golf. But in order to be successful, you got to – do the grades, and in order to play in college, you got to have good grades, and you got to do well on your standardized test, or you will never get a shot. Like, if, if and you think about and, it. And I heard the Wonderlink. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. So, I, what I was saying, to piggyback on what you said about the test, I heard that test really can make or break a lot of athletes for real. Like, they can be a superb athlete, but that, that test that you were talking about, Will really like drop their draft status to scouts and all exactly. kinds of people. Because they typically use that test to determine if you will be able to pick up a playbook and break it down and understand. Because football, a lot of people think like some of the smartest people in the world are actually football players. Like if if, if you were to see the size of an NFL playbook and understand how many different ways one play can be ran based on a coverage, a defensive front, or just the way defensive people are lined up, it would, it would shock you. So a guy has to be able to look at one play and understand all the different pieces and parts of that play and how all of those different pieces and parts can change depending on the defense. And in certain situations, the defense may look a certain way at the snap of the ball. When the play starts, the defense can rotate and shift to something else, and a person has to be able to think on the fly and understand that. So that's one of those things. That test is really to see if they will be able to break down, understand, and and move on the fly with the changing part. And like I said, it, when it yeah. comes to a multi-million dollar industry, I don't think anybody will be paying a guy millions of dollars if they perceive them 
as not knowing anything, as a not smart guy. Wow. That that seems like, I feel like a lot of people just don't realize that. And they they have this, you know, image of athletes just being dumb jocks. But I don't think people fully realize, like, the amount of intellect that's required to be an outstanding athlete, regardless of what sport you're playing. Exactly. But but let, let me ask you this from, a, like, a social standpoint. So, you know, you're an attractive guy. You're, you went to the NFL, which is, you know, most kids' dreams in the United States who are avid football players, and now you're in med school. So do you feel like people have changed towards you? Like, are your A1s still the same way, or you just have some friends who just aren't in your life anymore? Like, how do you deal with that? I, I actually don't think I've, I've lost friends. I actually think I've gained friends throughout everything. Um, some mm-hmm. of my best friends, like, like um, two of my best friends from high school, like, I, I we we talk, we talk maybe once every three to four months, but they mm-hmm. are my best friends, period. Like, they were my best men in my wedding. They there for everything. They support. I support them. So I don't think I don't really think you lose friends. Now some people possibly lose friends, but I don't feel like I lost any friends. I feel like my friends that were that were behind me and, and supported me from the beginning were the friends that really understood me. And those were the friends that stuck behind me. So how how important is having a support system in medical school? It's big. <laughs> it's big. Um <laughs> Support system is huge, man. I, I think a support system is huge in anything you do. Um, I, I think any any athlete can attest. It, it's, it's a different feeling when you when you come out for a football game or you come out for for a track meet and you see your your family in the stands. Like it, it's a it does something to you. It's the same way with medical school. Just to know that that your family has your back. That like no matter what you're going through, they're there for you. Like it's it's awesome. And you're 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 a dad, right? In medical school. Say what now? You're a dad, right? In medical yes, school. Yes, I am a dad. I am. So I am. How do you how do you balance you know the rigors of med, of medical school, studying all the time, and finding time for you know your child and your wife? To be honest, um, those two are probably the most important. <laughs> um, my wife. When I say holds it down, she holds it down. My little girl is happy to see me when I come home. Uh, it kind of makes medical school a lot easier because um, what's funny is I talked to a friend of mine the other day, and his um, his fiance is going through through school, and he was asking me, he's like, man, what is it that your wife do, does that makes school easier for you? Because he's trying to make sure he provides that same environment for, for his fiance. I was just telling her, she, she she take care of everything right now. All, all all my focus is 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 basically school and my family. I don't have anything else to focus on. So like if if, if you can create that like, environment, do you see them, do you see them every see them day or no do you see your no 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 every day? no no? So I see I see my wife and daughter. Um, I say on average. Um, I would say once 
a week, maybe once every two weeks. Because um, my wife is stationed in Mobile, Alabama, and I go to school in Jackson, Mississippi. So we're separated by by three hours. But um, but but like I said, hey, she she has my back all the way, and she's been like that since I met her. So let me let me ask you this. So this is more of a, a personal question. So again, you you seem to have everything going for you. Like the world is in your hands. You know, you're tall, you're handsome, you're in medical school, you're about to be a doctor, you were a stellar athlete, yet you're a man, and your wife is three hours away. And just speaking from personal experience, there's just not a lot of brothers in medical school. So how do you, you know, as a family guy, fight off temptation, if there is any, when more than likely there are more African-American females, I don't know your preference, but African-American females in a class with very few African-American males and your wife is deployed somewhere or she's several hours away. Like, how do you manage that as a man? I think it's really easy. Um, like you said, if there is temptation, there's really not any temptation. Um, like I said, like, I, I don't think there's, and maybe maybe I'm biased, but I don't think there is anyone else in the world that even compares to my wife. I don't think like who she Aww. is, what she perfect stands answer. for. Perfect I don't, <laughs> I don't I really don't think anybody else competes with her. Like if if you were the like, like when it comes to sports, if you were to line two people up, say who's the fastest, who's gonna get the I don't think anybody would be her. Like what she stands for, what I'm into mentally, what I'm into emotionally, spiritually and physically. Like I don't think anybody compares. So it's, it's, it's really no no temptation, no want to, no nothing. I, I am excited to come home on the weekends, though. <laughs> I do love your answer. I think it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> but I was, just, I was just curious. Cause you know, a lot of males, you know, without their medical, whatever the profession is, you know, it, it's just rare to see – you know, a black male who's not in entertainment, I don't have a problem with entertainment in music, you know, whatever their passion is. But I just feel like, you know, male, he knows he's on his stuff and he can have whatever woman he wants to, presumably. So I was just always curious about, you know, how do you fight off temptation and you seem to have found that right woman who holds you down, who's going to support you every step of the way. So I just think that's admirable. I really, truly do. Oh. Oh. All right. Well, I got I got one more question. So, for your your advice to student athletes, or let's say athletes like NFL stars or NBA or any type of athlete that's in the business and they don't have a degree, what would be your advice to them? To get it, to get their degree while they're playing, figure out some type of way to get a degree. It's 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 so hard. Like we hear we hear all the success stories of all the millionaires who do not have a degree. We hear that. Like, I think Mark Cuban was one. Multi-millionaire, no degree or something. We hear those stories, but the stories we would never hear are the ones who don't have degrees because there's really no story to tell. So, like, I encourage everybody, especially if you're playing ball and you're making extra income, there's no reason, no way you shouldn't be able to go pay some money 
enroll in school and get your degree. And for all the guys that were in college, enrolled, did two years, three years, then went pro, I encourage them to finish up and go back and finish. I encourage it. Well, we, we, we all know now it's, it's so hard to get a job. It's so hard to get a job as it is. And it's, it's, at this day and age, almost everybody is having degrees. It used to be a time where if you had a college degree, you were a hot commodity. But now it's almost like you got to go farther than just a degree. So to put yourself even on level playing field, you would have to get a degree. Okay. Well, I uh, I mean, it was great having you on the show, Nate. Uh, I mean, if you got some Twitter or Instagram information which you can pass along, so just in case somebody want to follow you and follow your story and get motivated by you, that would be a yeah, great no time to put that out there right now. I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really don't tweet much. I really don't have time really to tweet, but I am a, I am an avid Instagrammer. Um, my my. Twitter and Instagram both is Skato16. That's S K A T O one six. Um, I'm not a Snapchatter. I don't do Snapchat. I apologize. I don't do Snapchat. <laughs> and, um, no, I, 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 I have my feelings about Snapchat, but that's another. What discussion. are your feelings about Snapchat? I don't do Snapchat either. I just feel like it's 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 like Instagram takes a lot of time as it is to just scroll through, but Snapchat, from what I understand, is like like people record videos, and the videos can be like three to ten minutes long. So if you watch if you following like, I guess if you, well I don't, I'm not familiar, so I may be sound like an idiot right now saying this, but I feel like if you follow if you follow three to eight people, then. You can you can spend an hour of your day that you could be doing something else. Looking at well, people's sure Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah, well, some people might feel like their life is so boring they gotta watch somebody else's life. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. that was my logic for trying to explain Snapchat. But So Nate yeah. basically what you told us that don't go down in your DM, basically. You said what now? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> And so you basically just told us it will not go down in your DM. Oh, but that's okay. Nah, it, it can't go you down in my DM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it don't. It go down. Now, now, people can de- people can send me all the funny videos they want now. But um, I do enjoy funny videos. Well, once again, thank you for your family to talk with us. We really appreciate it. Great, great well, thanks having for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Till next time. Take care. All right. Yeah, have a good one. All right. All right, people. That was Nate Hughes calling us, talking to us about the NFL life, man, life after the NFL, and telling you guys that you can stay in school. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you get that degree, even if you're one of the most phenomenal athletes this side has ever seen. So, Dr. Faye, what do you say about your first interview? I think it went well. Um, I've never really been on the side of, you know, being the interviewer. I was being the person being interviewed, but I wanted to make sure that 
you know, the talented young man that I exposed the world to, his talents and what he brings to the table. And hopefully he's inspiring the next generation to go out there, be great athletes, and, you know, get in the medical field. That's what they want to do. All righty. Well, I mean, yeah, we. I hope there's a lot of people that get motivated by the interview. I mean, like I said, I feel like we're going to have great, better, not saying this was bad, but saying we want to get better and better in time with these interviews as far as Brown Sugar is concerned. So uh, to leave out on a positive note, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our first episode of the Brown Sugar and Spice. Brown Sugar and Spice. We're going to be talking about more positivities and how to uplift people in the community. And, you know, we're going to end the show right there. So I appreciate everybody for calling up. Y'all know what it is. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, VTDZ. That's pretty much all I can give you. And, you know, if Dr. Faye has something she want to give out, she can. If not, we're going to wrap the show up right there. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. See y'all next time on, this, on Brown Sugar and Spice. Peace. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you loved the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift